Well, my name is Ron Cole, and I'm one of the pastors here as well, and I want to welcome all of you here this morning. I want to take a look this morning at a story that takes place in the, we're told by, the, uh, by John in the Gospel of John, chapter 9, and it's, it's the entire chapter. It's verses 1 to 41, and it's a, it's a fascinating story. It's one of those stories that as we start it, it seems to be about one thing, okay? It seems to be about one thing, and, it, and it's about that thing, but then we realize that it's also about something else, and in fact, I want to suggest that there are really three storylines that are going to take place in the story this morning, okay? So as you're listening, kind of pay attention, and I'll try to make it obvious, but there are kind of three stories going on, and one of the questions we're going to ask ourselves at the end is, who are we in this story? Where do we fit into this story? Let me give you uh, the setting, all right? Let's, let's think about where this takes place. It takes place at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, okay? The end of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, when you read about the Feast of Tabernacles in the Bible, what I want you to think about, and, and uh, for the right reasons, but I want you to think about camping. Not because camping is evil and terrible and horrible and oh, no intelligent person likes to do it, but, but because the Feast of Tabernacles was in some ways kind of a camping experience. What they celebrated and remembered during the Feast of Tabernacles is when God took care of the people of Israel out in the desert, okay? So when God, for 40 years, led the people of Israel throughout the desert and so on, uh, and they were out living in tents and so on, that's what the week of the Feast of Tabernacles was about. So what would happen during the Feast of Tabernacles is everyone would leave their homes, and they would set up these little huts or tents, and they would live outside, basically, okay? Uh, I, I'm sure it was actually really great fun for the kids. I mean, it was sort of like camping in your backyard. But they would do that to remember, okay? They would do that to remember that God had taken care of them. And, and specifically, they would remember some things, like that God had led them by a pillar of fire at night through the desert, okay? And they would remember that God gave them water out of the rock. And so this Feast of Tabernacles was, was full of a lot of torches, and, and water themes and so on. And so, again, there would be fires at night. In fact, uh, in the temple courtyard area, there were these pillars that were 30 or 40 feet tall. And they would light fires at the top of them that would burn all night. And so, again, we have these themes that, that God is our light and our salvation. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And, 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 and Tabernacles was saying, God is the one who brings light into the darkness. God is the one who washes away our sins with his water and, and who feeds us and strengthens us. Okay, So a lot of torches and water and, and those kind of themes going on during this week of Tabernacles. Um, and, and you'll see how that kind of plays into this story. And it happens just as Jesus is leaving the temple, okay? It's been this week of festivities, and Jesus is leading the temples. This is uh, the temple, rather singular. Um, this is a, a map, or really a model of Jerusalem. It's in current-day Jerusalem, and it's really very cool. Um, but it's a model of Jerusalem at the time of Jesus. And uh, the, that valley there to the right is called the Kidron Valley. The Mount of Olives is further off to the right. But this whole city is how Jerusalem would have been when Jesus was, was there. And that big building at the top there, that's the temple. And probably in this situation, Jesus is where that star is, okay? He's just leaving the temple, maybe still inside, maybe he's outside of the temple, but he's, he's just kind of coming out of that, and, 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 and he and his disciples are, are, are walking along, okay? Uh, and so this is from the south as well. So if you, if you look at it, it's actually from the south looking at the temple that way. So Jesus and his disciples, it's the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, and they, and they walk out either right at the edge of the temple and they see somebody. This is what happens. John 9, 1 and 2. As he went along, Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born 
blind. A couple things to notice here. First of all, I, I think it's really helpful and important for us to notice that Jesus sees. Jesus sees a blind man. Jesus sees a person. I, 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 for me, when I'm in struggle, I sometimes feel like nobody knows. One of the things John shows us over and over again, and we see it in the Gospels over and over again, Jesus sees. Other people, thousands of people had walked by this guy. Thousands of people had never noticed. Thousands of people had maybe thrown him a quarter or a nickel or a dollar or something. Thousands of people had done that. But Jesus sees him. Jesus sees people. Jesus knows that this guy was created in God's image. And Jesus sees a person. But look at what the disciples see. The disciples see a theological question, an issue to be discussed. Who sinned, Jesus? I mean, you can kind of understand that. It's a really interesting question. They've just been in the temple for a week. They've just been thinking about God for a week. And so they see this blind man, and and one of the debates of their day, one of the issues of their day was, well, when somebody is born with an illness, is it their sin? Some of the Jewish people said that you can sin in the womb, and that's why you have these lifelong things. Was it their sin, or was it their parents' sin? And the disciples kind of want to say, Jesus, what's your take on this? What's your take on this? And I think part of what we need to think about this morning is just to recognize this contrast. Because Jesus says, it's not about your theological question. This is a person created in God's image. It's not about your your issue that you want to discuss. And and I think about that. That I think is so important for us to recognize. Because there are some issues we we continue to discuss and we will continue to discuss. We want to know what God says to us on these things. But, but we need to remember that issues are never issues alone. Behind every issue, behind every theological question are people. People who are hurting, people who are broken. And we seek God in all of this. And we seek God's will and God's way. Yes, we do that. But too often, I think we as Christians have some of these discussions as if they're just abstract. Think about, for example, discussing the issue of, of homosexuality. Again, we've got to find God's mind on that issue. And, and we've got to obey God's word on that But let's not talk about it as if there aren't real people behind it. Broken people created in God's image, okay? Jesus sees people. The disciples turn it into theological questions, and they get it wrong. And and that's going to be one of the problems with the story is some people who, who are more interested in their rules and regulations than they are in bringing love and healing to broken people, all right? So the disciples said, Jesus, who sinned? This guy or his parents? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Twenty times in the Gospel of John, Jesus is sent. He is the one who is sent by his Father, okay? He is sent by God, and then he sends us. We must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, while I am in the world, and that could also be wherever I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Again, they've just been singing, the Lord is my light and my salvation, of whom shall, and now Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I'm the one who brings light into darkness. I'm the one who brings healing and hope into broken people's lives. So this is the first character we get introduced to, this, this blind man, all right? This guy who, who once was blind. A couple of things, again, to notice about Jesus' response before we see what, what happens exactly there. Again, just notice, and we're going to come back to this, but Jesus was sent by God. Jesus was sent by God to bring light into darkness. And later on in his ministry, Jesus is going to say, just as the Father sent me, so I send you. 
so I send you. So Jesus was sent to bring light into darkness, and we are now sent to bring God's light and God's grace into the dark places of our world, into our workplaces, to hurting people, to broken people. We are God's light. Jesus says, wherever I am in this world, he is the light of the world. And I think he's saying to the disciples there, wherever we go, if Jesus is alive in us, wherever we go, his light is there with us. The other thing I want you to notice at this, at this point is that the man never even asks to be healed. I, I mean, in some ways, it's just fascinating to think about this guy's situation, right? He's begging by the side of the temple, either inside the door or just outside of the door. And, and in some ways, we don't understand how awkward this would have been for him, perhaps. Because he's there, and this group of people stops right in front of him. And they look at him. He can tell they're looking at him. And, and, and the disciples say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man and his father? And you, you almost got to believe the guy is going, uh, Hello, my eyes are bad, but I can hear you. Um, you're talking about me, I, I can hear you, I'm here. And Jesus answers, and, and, but this guy doesn't say anything until after Jesus heals him. He doesn't say anything until after Jesus opens his eyes. One of the reasons that's important for us to recognize is, is that for some of us, we've got some friends and some brothers and sisters in Christ who will sometimes tell us, well, if you really want that person healed, you need to ask God the right way. You need to get enough people praying. You need to have enough faith. And if you didn't get healed, or if your loved one didn't get healed, it's because of a lack of faith. Friends, point that person to this story. This guy doesn't have much faith. He doesn't know who Jesus is. He doesn't ask for anything. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, and he's going to bring healing to this guy, okay? Now, I'm all for faith, and I'm all for prayer. But let's not make our prayers sort of the contingency on which God is going to act. This guy doesn't do anything. And he really doesn't believe in Jesus or know who Jesus is even after he initially gets his sight. But we'll see how he comes to that, all right? So the man never, this is grace, friends. God is not up there like somebody who's saying, when you get the words right, then I will give you healing. No, God is a God of love and grace. This guy is blind and Jesus wants to show God's glory and bring light into the darkness. Jesus does it in a really interesting way, John 9, 6. Having said this, he, that is Jesus, spit on the ground. Again, the poor guy, right? All he's hearing is these people talking about him. The next thing he hears is... <laughs> made some mud with a saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Again, he hasn't said a word. Now somebody's putting mud made with spit in his eyes. Uh, I mean, the, you know... Okay, question that I want to ask now, answer later. Why does Jesus make a mud pie? Why does Jesus do this? Jesus could have, Jesus could have said, your eyes need to be opened, and they would have been opened. Jesus, I think, goes out of his way deliberately to do this with, with making mud, and you're going to see that term come up, and, and I want to have you think about why. Why does Jesus do that? Why does Jesus make a mud pie? So he does that, puts it on the guy's eyes, and then he says, go, he told him, Jesus told this guy, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. John tells us that. Okay, so Jesus, the sent one, sends the guy to the pool of scent because guess what? When we get touched with Jesus, when he opens our eyes, he sends us to be his missionaries. He sends us to bring light into the darkness. There's a lot of sending going on here. So the man went and washed. Here's where, here's where he went. Okay, again, here's the temple. Here's where Jesus was, where Jesus put that mud in his eye. And the guy goes down. This, this down here is the pool of Siloam, all right? That's the pool. It's the only fresh spring in Jerusalem itself. Um, and, and so the pool of Siloam is there. It's quite a ways downhill. Again, this guy is, is blind. He can't see. He's got mud in his eyes, probably irritated. And he's got to walk down this hill to this area, all right? So he went and he washed and he came home seeing. 
his eyes are opened, and then he heads back up this way, back up to by the temple, back to where he was, all right? So we have the guy. I once was blind, but now I see. The guy goes back, and, and, and you'd think there might be just celebration, but you can understand the people he lived around, his neighbors and his friends and some of those folks who were near him, they were kind of confused because Bob, we'll call him Bob, Bob has been begging for 25, 30, 35, 40 years. We don't know how old he is, but Bob has been begging his whole life right there. Bob has been blind, and all of a sudden there's this guy who looks a lot like Bob, and he's not blind. So the neighbors are kind of confused about this. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some said, yes, it is. That's Bob. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am. First words, I am the man. I'm the one. I'm the one. God has changed my life. I am the one. Now they want to know how this happened. How then were your eyes open? They demanded. He replied, and and we're going to watch how he talks about Jesus. Because what is his first word about Jesus? He's just the man they call Jesus. This guy, you know, the one they call Jesus. That's what he's saying. It's just this guy, this, the man they call Jesus, made some mud and put it in my, on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed. Then I could see. Where's the man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. I just don't know. Again, this is not a guy who has great faith. This is not a guy who sought Jesus out. This is a guy who was sitting by the side of the road. God gives him grace. God loves him, heals him, brings him sight. And at this point, he just doesn't know very much, okay? So at this point, Jesus is the man, okay? And we're going to watch as, as, as he keeps talking about Jesus and learning about Jesus. That's one of the storylines, all right? The neighbors aren't sure what to do with this. Those people who had seen him begging all the time aren't quite sure what to do with this guy, so they bring him to the elders of the church. They bring him to the, to the Pharisees, to the leaders of the religious community. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. And if we had musicians backing me up, this is where we would hear, bum, 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 Right? Because all of a sudden we realize there's a twist. All of a sudden we have another part of the story. All of a sudden we realize there's a problem, right? Because the Pharisees are involved. Now, again, some of the Pharisees were really bad. But most of them, you know what, were really simply passionate about God's word. There was the priests in Jesus' day, there was a lot of corruption. There was a lot of corruption. They were in it for themselves. They were seeing what kind of money and power they could grab. There was a lot of corruption among the priests. And so the Pharisees were a group of people who say, we want to live by God's word. We want to live by God's word. We want to honor him in every area of our lives. They would have liked our mission statement as a church. We want to see the kingdom of God be real and visible in every aspect of our lives. And that included the Sabbath. That's one of the Ten Commandments, right? To honor the Sabbath. And that's where we have a problem. And this is where I want to suggest that Jesus went out of his way to make mud. Because Jesus wanted to tweak him. Jesus wanted to push him. You see, it was very clear to everybody that making mud was work. You couldn't make mud bricks. And you couldn't make mud at all. And so Jesus did it this way. Why? Because he wanted to challenge them. He he wanted to confront them. And, And I'm going to suggest he does it out of love. I'm going to suggest he does it out of love. All right? So it was a Sabbath, and now we have a problem. John 9, verse 15. Therefore, 
since it was the Sabbath, again, I added that part, but the Pharisees, because it was the Sabbath, the Pharisees also asked him how. That's their question. How did he do this? Because if Jesus had just spoken words, it might be okay. But how did he do this? How had this guy received his sight? He put mud in my eyes, the man replied. And I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees immediately knew. They said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. And let's remember, friends, that's one of the Ten Commandments, okay? Honor the Lord's Day. Honor the Sabbath. And, and don't work on it. And this community was just trying to take that seriously. But they said, this man is not from God. And now we have the second group in our story, okay? This is the second main storyline. It's those Pharisees. And, and their word about themselves is, we are not blind. We are the ones who know because we take God seriously and they know what they know. They know God's word and they love God's word and they want to obey God's word. And so they say, we know what we know. We are the ones who see and Jesus is not from God. Now there was some question, all right, that not all the Pharisees agreed. Others asked, how can can a sinner perform such signs? I I mean, again, this is so... This kind of stuff goes on, right? I mean, when we have somebody, I, I'm not trying to pick on, I'm just throwing them out there, but Rob Bell, right? I, I mean, Rob Bell writes some stuff, and he says, oh, he can't be from God because he said this and this and this. I'm not going to argue about him one way or the other, okay? But, but, but right when he says some things, we go, is this from God? I think he is. I think he's not. I think he is. I think he's not. Right? This is what's going on with Jesus here. They're going, what do we do? How do we take the word of God seriously and yet see if God is doing a new thing? So they were divided. So they asked the blind man, okay? They turn again to the blind man. And said, what have you to say about him? It, it was your eyes he opened. And the man replied, he's a prophet. You see? We're, we're growing, right? He's somebody who speaks for God. This man is now a prophet. And he's not just some guy. Stop thinking about this. He changed my life. He set me free. He opened my eyes. I once was blind, but now I see. And, and this guy is a prophet. This guy is a prophet. The, the Pharisees don't know what to do with all this. They still want to make sure that there isn't some way out of this. Did Jesus maybe not make mud? Did, was this not the same guy? So they send for this guy's parents, okay? They send for this guy's parents. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. And these are going to be the third group, okay? So we have the blind man, the Pharisees, and now the parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? And then again, that question, how? How is it that he can now see? How did this happen? And the parents answer with a wonderful, wonderful Western culture answer. This is one that fits our culture so well. We know that he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how how he can see now? or who, who opened his eyes, we, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. And they choose that position to say, we don't want to decide. We, we don't want to be a part of this. We don't want to cause any troubles. We don't want any have any struggles. We just don't want to take a stand on Jesus. We, we just don't know, okay? We know that something happened with our son, and we're happy about that, but we don't want to know anything about Jesus. We don't want to take a stand on Jesus. John tells us why they said this. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. 
That's why his parents said it. He is of age, ask him. So his parents take this, and, and, and I'll just label them the we don't know people, and, and, and this is the last we see of them. But they just choose to take the places in. We don't know. Okay, we just don't know about Jesus. Um, um, I think he's probably a really nice guy, and he had some really good things to say, and, and he was helpful for a lot of people. But I just don't want to get into any controversies, okay? I don't want to upset anybody at work, or I don't want to upset... Now, we have to be careful of claiming we know too much. But we do have to make a decision about Jesus. All right? So, the parents don't help at all. They choose this. We don't know. They choose this kind of agnostic stance of saying, just let's, can't we all get along? Can't we all just get along? Do we have to decide? So they call the blind man back, the Pharisees again. So a second time they summon the man who had been born blind, and they're getting more aggressive. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He broke the Sabbath. And so now we see them coming downhill, right? We know that he is a sinner. And they know this, right? They know this. And it's what they know that's going to give them so much trouble. It's the fact that they think they know everything that is going to be so difficult, all right? So they say, we know this man is a sinner. Give glory to God. Confess this. We know this, all right? There is no way this is from God because he broke God's law. And they sincerely believed that. The guy replied, he, he's starting to get a little more comfortable. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. Okay, this guy, I don't know everything about Jesus. I, I love that. I don't know everything about Jesus. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. This is where they push him again. Then they ask him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Again, that's their question. How did he do this? Is it within our box of how God works? Is it within our understanding? <sighs> guy's a little more aggressive here. He answered, I've told you already, and you didn't listen. Maybe we can get Jesus to open up your ears if you're deaf. I mean, he did my eyes, right? I mean, you know, um, why do you want to hear it again? Are, oh, I know. Are you interested in becoming his disciples? That's what it is. You love to hear the old, old story. Is that why it is I've told you? Are you interested in... Uh, they get really mad, okay? They get really mad. Then the Pharisees hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We've got to kick you out. We're our disciples of Moses, okay? That's who we know. And, and that's good. Jesus was a disciple. That's why this is so... It'd be an easy story if they were disciples of something really bad. But they're disciples of, of Moses. They're trying their best. But they're so sure of themselves. There's no humility. Remember Nicodemus? Humility there. We know, again, we know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. We know he is a sinner, and we know that God spoke to Moses, okay? And, and, and I just want to stop here a second because I think this line of the story, okay, the line of the Pharisees is one that we need to think about because the problem that they have is they know what they know. And, and when we know too much, when we know everything, we don't see what's right in front of us, right? When we know already, we don't see it. Let me give you just kind of a silly little example of this, right? Um, there we go, please. All right, we know what it says, right? A bird in the hand. No, it doesn't. It says a bird in the, the hand. About 90% of us are going to get that wrong. We won't even read it. We, want to, we know what it says, so we don't even see it. And that's what's going on in this story with Jesus. 
These guys know how God works. These guys know what God does. These guys know how God sounds. These guys have God in a theological box. And they said, so this guy, Jesus, cannot be from God because this is who God is. This is how God behaves. And, and, they, and, and they know everything. It's hard for me because I want to know God. You pay me to see how well I can learn to know God and then help you know God more. And so it's not that we don't try to know God. But I think the challenge is for us to have some humility and to recognize Moses is from God, but our interpretation of Moses is not always exactly right. Our understanding, we need to have enough humility to say, God, we want to be able to see you. We want to be able to see you and not put you in a box. But we also don't want to lose the truth. That's why this gets needing God's spirit to help us, all right? So they say, we know, we know what Moses said. We know what God's will is. We know what to do on the Sabbath. We know the rules. And they can't see Jesus, the Messiah, even though he's standing right in front of them. The man is now really cocky, okay? This is, the man answered, this is remarkable. And read this with all the sarcasm you can. Now, that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know, he's more confident, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. Not born blind, I mean, you know, somebody loses, but this is, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Therefore, what the guy is saying is he is from God. And now we say, he's not just a guy, he's not just a prophet, he is from God, okay? And, and we see faith growing in this guy. And, and, and again, you know, we, we talk about sometimes how just, you know, people are converted in an instant. This guy is, is taking time, he's learning, he's growing, he's understanding more and more of who Jesus is, okay? He says, Jesus is now from God. This pushes him over the edge. Pharisees to this, the Pharisees replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. <laughs> Remember the disciples' question that Jesus ignored? Yeah, they're back there. No, it's you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? You know anybody like that who knows everything and would never listen to anybody? If you thought of me, I apologize. And they, <coughs> excuse me, and they threw him out. So they say, we know he's a sinner. We know God spoke to Moses. And, and then we see, again, their arrogance. How dare you lecture us? Again, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in humility. These Pharisees are coming in pride and arrogance. The man is booted out of the synagogue. He's booted out, maybe leaves the temple area or whatever. And Jesus comes back. Interesting, Jesus, we haven't heard from Jesus since verse 7. They've been arguing about him, but Jesus hasn't been there. Now Jesus shows up, all right? Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Big term, that's the Messiah, okay? Do you believe in the Messiah? This guy doesn't like say, yes, it's you. No, who is he, sir? The man asked, he's learning, he's growing. He knows what he doesn't know. The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And so we go from son of man um, to, 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 to this guy just recognizing that Jesus is Lord. Then the man said, Lord, 
I believe. And he worshiped him. All right. And so we get finally up to this place where Jesus is Lord. And then the guy says, now I see, okay? And so we have this journey, and, and, and that's, guys, he's now complete. He now sees, not just with his physical eyes, but he sees Jesus spiritually. Jesus isn't just somebody who fixed him. Jesus is his Lord. Jesus is the one he worships. Jesus is the one, and, and he sees. He sees with the eyes of faith. And, and Jesus says this. He says, for judgment I have come into this world. To create crisis I have come into this world so that the blind will see. And, and, and this is fascinating. You've got to kind of picture this in your mind, all right? Jesus is talking with this guy who had been blind. But there must be some others around. And I don't know if Jesus kind of turns a little bit or if Jesus just speaks a little louder. He says, so that the blind will see and those who will see, or those who see, will become blind. Some Pharisees, John said, who were with him, heard him say this. And they were mad. And they asked, what? Are we blind too? Uh, again, I think the way to read this is you calling us blind. You talking to us, Jesus? You talking to us? You saying we can't see. We are people who have God's word memorized. We are people who are passionate about God in every aspect of our lives. We are people like that. Are you telling us we can't see what God is doing? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Boom, end of story, all right? You claim you can see, and your guilt remains. And those who thought they could see are blind. You see, that's why this story is, is just so fascinating for us to look at. Really, again, let me just kind of draw it together here. We're almost done. There's, there's this line here, right, of this guy who was blind, who sees physically, but who goes through this process of understanding more and more of who Jesus is. He's a prophet. He's from God. He's the Son of Man. He is my Lord, and now I see, okay? And, 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 and so there's this blind man who was just lost and knew he was lost, and he gets found. But there are these Pharisees, these religious folks, these good religious folks who want to say we're not blind. But Jesus says to them, you guys, you can't see. You can't see. And, 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 and I think one of the things that's really interesting for me to see here is, is, is Jesus does this out of love. You know, when Jesus says, I came to cause those who see to be blind, well, what do you mean? Jesus is mean. He's going to make somebody blind only so that they can see him. What Jesus wants to do is he wants to put them in a place where they have a crisis. That's what that word judgment is in Greek. It's crisis. He wants to give them a crisis so that maybe, just maybe, they can understand that they need the Messiah. They can understand Jesus. They can understand how much they need God's grace in their lives. And so we've got these folks who, because they know too much, can't see Jesus. And then, again, we've got the parents who are just saying, we don't know. So the question I want to close with is this. Who are we in this story? Are we like the blind man? That's who John wants us to be like. Uh, and do we know that we are broken? Do we know that we don't know? And will we just trust Jesus? Friends, you know what? Jesus doesn't have a problem with blindness. Throughout the Gospel of John, I, it's so important for us to get this. Jesus doesn't have a problem with, problem with blindness or with, with deafness or um, with immorality. Jesus doesn't have a problem with people who are dead. Jesus has a problem with people who don't know it. Jesus has a problem with those who think that they know enough and don't need Jesus. With those who are so sure of themselves 
And so this story invites us to say, Jesus, I don't know. All I know is that my life is broken and I need your amazing grace. Are we like the blind man? Or are we like the parents? I mean, do we want to simply remain neutral? You know, we come to church, but I don't really want to, like, have Jesus be the Lord of my life. I don't really want to do that. I'd rather just be on the fence about Jesus and just kind of hang out because I don't want to offend anybody. And, and, and there's so much. Now, again, Christians are guilty of offending people for all the wrong reasons, but that should never keep us from being as passionate as we can about Jesus. Are we like the parents who are just hanging out? Or most dangerously, are we like those who think they can see? Do we think we know it all? Do we think we know it all? Have you got God all figured out? I, 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 do you have God in a box? And, 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 and do we love our rules and theology more than people? Yes, God's word is God's word. But Jesus saw people, and we always read God's word in the light of real people. And so I'm not saying there's easy answers to difficult questions. But I am saying that when we make boxes for God to live in, we miss And sometimes our certainty of what God is like keeps us from really knowing God. Who are we in this story? Close with these two invitations. First of all, friends, let's be humble. Let's be humble. Jesus, you know, he honors our humility of recognizing that we don't know. Let's just say, God, help me. I need new life. And then let's dare to believe in God's amazing grace. Friends, Jesus is the Son of Man. He is the Messiah, and he can change our lives. The question is whether we'll admit we're blind. He has no problem unless we think we already can see. Let's pray together. Father, your grace is amazing. So right now, once again, we declare that we were blind, but now we see. We declare that that through your grace we have been made whole and complete. So teach us to sing of your amazing grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.